This is Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. This is Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. This is Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards. This is Clay Thompson from the Golden State Warriors. And you're listening to Triple J NBA Talk on KOAS 750 AM. Seconds. Bryant for the win. Open. Chicago with the lead. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James has the motion. Hello and welcome to Triple J. Back here with you, Jabari Davis, Jamison Wells, and Jordan Buscarini. Of course, happy to be back talking some hoops for a quick 30-minute chat. How you guys doing this week? Doing well, doing well. Busy week. Always look forward to talking with you guys. A pleasure as always to be along with you. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll get into a few different topics today. Um, you know, I want to quickly talk about, did you guys see the Nurkic injury last night? And, I, and I, you know, I'll ask you specifically, Jameson, because you were actually present in the building uh, when Paul George did a very similar thing a few years back during a you know, Team USA play. But did you guys happen to see that last night? Yes. Unfortunately, I saw the Paul George live in front of my face and I saw his leg going the other way. And last night, I was watching television. I was watching the game on NBA TV, and next thing you know, it happens, and the camera zooms in for like two seconds for, right before they zoom away, and I'm like, wow, his leg is the other way. Like, what's going on here? Why do they zoom in? So, yeah, it is, uh, it's pretty bad. Like, it's really, really bad. Um, you know, it sucks because the Blazers are actually having a really good year for their mm-hmm. expectations, and he's their third best guy. He's not an all-star player, but he's a very, very good player. And without him, they're probably at best a second-round team. Well, Jordan, to that point that he just made, what does this mean for the Blazers? You know, do, do you even think they can make it out of the first round? Last year, if I'm not mistaken, they got they got you know, uh, snatched out in the first round without Nurkic, especially you know going down the stretch without the opportunity to bring anybody else in. You know, what are your thoughts on the on the Blazers' chances in this postseason? Yeah, without Nurkic, they will be a one and done because right now it's a playoff matchup with the Utah Jazz. And to be honest with you, I don't like that matchup to begin with. Without Nurkic, you got to remember he is literally having the best season of his career. I mean, he's averaging a double-double. I believe his true shooting percentage is 57, 58%. Uh, And really, when you take a look at what he can do in the paint, he's really anchoring this defensive unit. So without him going into the playoffs, no. I I think if it stays the way it is right now, and on Tuesday night, it's Portland the four, Utah the five, Utah having the advantage over the Clippers. If that's the first-round matchup we get, regardless of who has home court, Portland is done in round one without him. They will not get past Utah in a seven-game set without Nurkic. They won't. That's fair. Jamison, we'll wrap the Portland conversation with you with this. Does this, in your estimation, buy them, maybe potentially buy them another year of this current constitution or current iteration of the you know, Trailblazers? Or do you think that coming this summer, they're still going to have to make some, you know, some potentially some difficult decisions uh, with this group moving forward? It's time. It's time, and not because their players aren't good enough, but you have to make a move. You can't keep on bringing the same core back, and you're not getting the results you're looking for. Uh, Remember, they have an ownership change, too, because Paul Allen passed away earlier in Mm -hmm. the season. So with that being said, I don't know if whoever takes over the team is going to want to pay that high salary uh, for that roster going forward. Mm -hmm. I don't see that taking place, especially if you don't have to. So it would not surprise me if C.J. McCollum is dealt with a couple other of those guys like Mo Harkless or, um, you know, Evan Turner, 
Myers Leonard, one of those guys, get dealt along with him, and they kind of restart because having the two under six three guards, it sounds good when they're both on, but in the playoffs, we see how that story ends every year, and it's just not getting better. So eventually, they're going to have to move on. I think this kind of fast forwards it. Is there a team out there? I know I said I was going to wrap that with that, but you know, you made you know, you inspired me. Is there a team out there that either of you see that would benefit the most from a CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum that you you could actually see uh, swinging a deal for him? Um, it depends who misses out on free agents because that's the mm. thing we got to see who who goes where in the summer. You know, if someone misses out, then yeah, I mean he he can be a really good piece for a lot of teams out there. But we need to see who signs where and what because. There's going to be a lot of change this summer. It wouldn't surprise me if he winds up in Boston after whatever happens is going to happen out there because they're, they're going to lose Kyrie Irving and they're going to need someone that can score and get buckets. So it wouldn't surprise me if Boston traded some of those picks and got C.J. McCollum. Uh, for me, I'm going to stick out east, but I'm going to switch up Boston. I'm going to go with Orlando. And I know that this has been rumored before. And when I say rumored, I don't know that there's actually ever been any trade conversations about it. But, of course, in today's world of social media, everybody is always uh, throwing out trade scenarios. And to me, the idea of C.J. McCollum going over to Orlando, especially with the group that they have, I don't hate that idea. I don't hate that at all. Jameson is completely right. Taking a look at two six-foot-three guards and under, something has to be done. You cannot continue to roll out the same unit year in and year out and expect different results uh, or better results I should say you're going to get different results but the results are going to get worse progressively worse look being in the state of Utah I can attest to that the Jazz have done this many of many times and you get your fan favorites from a business standpoint I get that it makes sense but good business is winning business and this is a team that's not set up to win at the moment so I definitely believe someone in the east uh, on you know in the eastern conference rises up becomes a major player to pick up a guy like C.J. McCollum. I really like what's happening, though, in Orlando. And to me, that's just a good situation. Sign me up for that. C.J. McCollum to Orlando. All right, fair enough. I want to switch it up just a little bit, switch the pace. Um, you know, as we started talking about the Eastern Conference teams, I started thinking about some of the, you know, some of the teams that are doing well out there, which led me to thinking about some of the coaches. I want to talk about coach of the year candidate because I'm actually interested in getting maybe your top two or three guys specifically because I've got a couple guys that I don't know if either one of you will have in your top three, but I think should be. So, Jameson, if you don't mind, you know, kind of starting that conversation off, who would be your top two or three guys right now in the coach of the year? Uh, conversation. Uh, Doc, Kenny Atkinson, you have to put Bud in there because taking that team from middling to the top of the league is pretty interesting. So he has to be in the conversation, but my top three would be Doc, Kenny Atkinson, and Coach Bud. Um, Nate McMillan should get some consideration as well because he lost Owen Depot. Uh, But, I mean, no one had the Nets in the playoffs. No one did. No one one had them at all. you know, no one had the Nets in the playoffs. And also, here's the thing, no one had the Clippers in the playoffs either. So for to for outperforming, your expectations is always a big one for me. So that's why that list is what it is. Uh, my top three, it's really, I mean, Doc Rivers has got to be at the top or close to the top. Mike Budenholzer has got to be up there as well. And then outside of that, uh, we talked about Nate McMillan. We talked about him in the final shot a couple of weeks ago. So that would be my top three. Uh, Mike Malone, I think Mike Malone deserves some run as well. And and the reason I say that is because while nobody saw the Clippers in the postseason, how many really thought that Denver was going to keep up that blistering pace that they started off with this season? Not many. I sure didn't. 
And as we get down to the final oh. seven, eight games of the season, here they are battling it out with the Warriors for home court advantage in the Western Conference. So, you know, I think you got to give him some run as well. I will tell you that while I just threw out four names, in my mind, it's down to two. It will go to either Coach Bud or Mike Malone. It's going to go to one of those two uh, coaches. And the reason I say that is because it's like a lot like the MVP. Typically, the most surprising story with the most wins gets it. So it's going to go to either Denver, Mike Malone, or it will go to Milwaukee and Coach Bud. Right now, I probably got to give Bud just the uh, give him a little bit more of the edge based on where Milwaukee is sitting. But outside of that, uh, yeah, I think Mike Malone is definitely a guy that that should definitely get some run and probably will if Denver ends up taking over Golden State at the end of the season. Well, then I stand corrected because you guys named both of the guys that I had in mind. Obviously, Doc was one of them. You know, and that's kind of – I don't want to call it the feel-good. That's the going you know, narrative right now. Is people are finally acknowledging, you know, the, the incredible job that he's done. I, will, I, do, I do want to say, uh, you know, when, when, we, when all three of us were hypercritical of the job that he did of those last few years with, you know, whatever, Lob City or whatever you want to call that, you know, that core, I will state, I think we were all right. It probably had to do with the fact that Doc, the GM, was not doing Doc the coach any favors. And now all of a sudden, now the last couple of years when he's been able to just focus on uh, coaching these guys up, player development, you know, uh, instilling, you know, the next man up mentality, he's done a phenomenal job. So it's good to hear that you guys, you know, uh, that, you know that, that, that he's in that conversation for you guys as well. All right, I want to talk about MVP a little bit since we talked about coach of the year uh, before we get to a couple of the other topics. I've got a very, uh, I may have a very different list than you guys have. I won't predict, I'll just say, Right now, Jameson, who is, who are your top three MVP candidates in, in order? Giannis, Harden, and this is going to be a wild one. People won't agree with it, but it is what it is. Steph Curry would be my third-place guy. Um, you know, the Warriors have had a weird year. I mean, they still have the best record out West, but it's been a weird year. Uh, but, you know, he's their most important guy. He's their most valuable player. So, you know, the best team out East, he definitely deserves some consideration. Harden's tear speaks for itself. Uh, he's been on a Hair scoring the basketball. He also gets a lot of assist a game. We don't know how. We all know how it's going to end up in the playoffs. But for the regular season, he's done the job. And Giannis is my actual MVP at the moment. Uh, he's been the best player this season from game one to game seventy four. And to me, that means a lot. Not not catching fire in December, not getting hot in January, but from game one to game now, he's been the guy. So Giannis will be my MVP. I'll agree with the top two. Um, Harden, Giannis, I, I, you know, it's hard to argue Steph Curry being in at number three, uh, but I'll go with Joel Embiid. I'm going to put Embiid in my top three. And the reason I'm going to put Embiid in there is because I think when he is right, I think he probably is the most unstoppable player in the league. And the stats would back that up. 27 and a half a game, close to 14 boards, three and a half assists, nearly two blocks per contest. Uh, when you take a look at what he's done post all-star break to me, he has been fantastic. Uh, you go back. A little while ago, Celtics matchup had close to 40 points in that game, 22 rebounds. This guy has been very, very good. And the reason why we're not talking a whole lot about Joel Embiid is because the Philadelphia 76ers did not initially meet our expectations out of the gate, right? I think a mm. lot of people had unreasonable expectations for this Philadelphia 76er team. As we get down the stretch, they, they have played better basketball at times. Uh, but to me, Embiid, I think you can make the case for him being the most unstoppable player in the game. 
MVP, I know, is a different conversation. That's why I'm putting him in my top three. Jamison hit it right on the head, I think, with the top two and Harden and Giannis. I'm going to go with Giannis as my MVP, but I'm going to throw Embiid some love. I'm going to put him at number three right now. I can appreciate that, and I agree with each of you. Giannis is definitely, in my estimation as well, uh, the MVP. I also agree, you know, like, hey, you know, we have to absolutely have to show love for what Harden was able to maintain. I wondered if he was going to taper off uh, down the stretch. I do still wonder what he, you know what his energy level is going to be you know, if he, if they wind up making a deep playoff run. But you know what? I, I'll leave that salt alone. I wonder where's PG in this conversation for you guys. He's kind of tailed off, and so is the Thunder. Right now, the Thunder are in the eighth seed of the playoffs, and we're not awarding anyone MVP if they if you finish in the eighth seed. So mm-hmm. that's that. Yeah, but let, wait, we also have to qualify that there. It, there's one game that separates the you know four through eight in the loss You are correct. However, the way they've looked over the last month, and part of that is for him not being on that same pace as he was the previous two and a half three months. That's a big reason because I've seen a, a few more seven out of 23 games than I saw in the past two to three months beforehand. Because beforehand, he was on fire. Now, it's mm-hmm. kind of to return back to somewhat normal. He's still playing at all elite level defense, defensively. Offensively, it'll only be a challenge for him because he has to do so much and he plays with a guy that he's kind of unpredictable. So I get it. However, it's the MVP. Like, it's not first team on NBA, it's the MVP. And yeah. I just think that it's a situation where he's had a hell of a year. He's probably going to make first team all NBA. Nothing wrong with that at all. But MVP, again, Giannis has been doing it from game one to now. Harden since about a little bit before Christmas to now. PG had some flurries in the middle. But, again, he's really cooled off. And you really can't really mention yeah. him. It's just, it's just a two-man race. I'll put it that way. It's a two-man yeah. race. Just to bolster your point, if I'm not mistaken, they're three and six over their last nine. So that, that like, if, if if there were ever going to be a chance for PG, they would have had to, you know, continue that role. I agree. What about and Jordan? I'll come to you with this one. Where's Kawhi in this conversation? Because he's having the best year of his, you know, of his career. Is it simply a matter of like, you know, the 20 games missed, uh, you know, uh, doing doing it the Spurs way? Uh, is, is that going to hurt him, or is that why he's, you know, we don't have him at the forefront of this conversation? Well, he plays for Toronto. Let's just call yeah, it. What it let, let's just call it what it is. I mean, that doesn't help. Look, if, mm-hmm. if he puts these numbers up in San Antonio, with the history that that franchise has, he's in the running. Uh, obviously, the twenty games that didn't help. But I'll tell you. And look, I'm going to look at this from a realistic standpoint because if you go back to the show about a month ago, I, I remember saying that my MVP was Paul George at that particular time. He's not anymore. But I'll tell you a guy that I believe deserves even more talk than say Kawhi Leonard. And that's Jokic in Denver. That's a guy that Ah. he deserves to be in this conversation. I'm not saying he's a league MVP, but I'm going to give him love just like I'm giving Joel Embiid love. If we're going to talk about legitimate MVP candidates, I would have Jokic above Paul George at the moment. And a lot of that may have to do with the fact that they are the eight seed. And I know you brought up a great point, Jabari. An eight seed right now, they're going to the playoffs. They're not falling below Sacramento. So a one, uh, you know, an eight seed right now, we're talking about a game separating eight to five. I get that. Uh, But at the same time, if we're going to give Mike Malone credit for what he's done coaching, which I am, I got to give Jokic Mm -hmm. a lot of credit because this is a guy that signed a massive contract in the offseason that turned a lot of heads. This is a Nugget team that's going to win 50 games. And to me, best player on that team, yeah, I'm going to put him. I would put him above Paul George. I would put him in the conversation. if If I got to pick four guys, 
I'm going to put Jokic in there with Embiid. All right. So, uh, sorry, <laughs> I thought Joy, I thought uh, Jameson might have get time back in with that one. No worries, excuse me for that. All right, I want to talk. You know, we're going to switch. You know, switch gears and start talking about the Lakers here because we have a few different topics to talk about with them uh, for the back half of the show. Uh, look, it's not a secret. Anybody out there that follows the NBA, you know that uh, the reports are that Zoe, uh, Lenny Alonzo Ball, you fired, you know, friend of the family and, you know, uh, business partner, Alan Foster. Uh, and it's officially parted ways with, you know, the, the you know, uh, Triple B, uh, even though it's interesting because he still owns, you know, 51% of the company reportedly. And he also still has that, you know, freshly minted, uh, you know, Triple B tattoo on his forearm. We'll see how that plays out. But Jameson, let me get to just your thought, your overall thoughts on how this this played out and if you think moving forward this will discourage you know players from wanting to you know to at least attempt a move like of this name no so here's the thing i think we're going to see more moves like this in the future i just think they'll be better thought out and better executed the idea yeah. wasn't half bad the execution was very poor um but also here's the situation no matter what's going on you have to be able to monitor your affairs whether you have a brand or not whether you have someone mm-hmm. you know handling stuff for you or not you have to be on get on the phone with whoever's dealing with your finances and at least talk for 20 minutes once a week and get a, Hey, what's going on? I see this is going on. There should never be a case in any of these athletes lives where there's something like that missing. I mean, we all saw Kevin Garnett got got for 77 million um, <laughs> last year. I don't know how that happens. I, I just don't, I, I don't, there's no, it's just carelessness because Lonzo ball is very fortunate that it was only 1.5. It could have been mm-hmm. a lot worse. And, I have my suspicions on how that happened. We don't need to go into that today because that's not what this is for. But just in general, NBA players and athletes, hell, even regular people, they need to monitor their finances better. Regular people, they need to check your credit more. And you need to check your accounts to make sure everything is up to par. And for athletes, they need to go ahead and whomever is managing their finances, they need to be able to have a scheduled conversation with them on a weekly basis to make sure everything's all right. 100% agree. Jordan, I'll come to you with this because I, it, it's funny. There, there was a video that was circulating yesterday uh, it, or an IG po- Instagram post, uh, and it was uh, reportedly from Darren Moore, who's actually Lonzo's current manager. Um, there, there, there was a bit of a, a back and forth of whether it, this was Alan Foster doing it or that was the same individual for the record. That was a completely different person. But he was uh, throwing some, you know, some Lonzos down, you know, like down the trash chute. Uh, with the hashtag of dump your merch. I thought this was hilarious for a few different reasons, but one, the audacity of these folks, regardless of what your current situation is and how how disappointed you are with the Triple B, I thought it was pretty audacious to ask folks that probably couldn't even afford to you know, spend the $500 on shoes and $200 on slides and $95 on t-shirts to throw them away simply because you're upset with your current situation. Did you find that funny as well? Or did you first, did you happen to see that video? And <laughs> yeah. I was interested in seeing if you thought that was just as funny as I did. Yeah, I, I did see it. Let me ask James a question. Jameson, you're a shoe guy. What's uh, what's a pair of Zoes go for ten years from now? Triple B Zoes. What do they go for? Are they collectors' items. So here's here's the thing. It might be collectors' item because they're mm-hmm. gonna be very rare. they're going to be very very rare. I mean, hell, half people didn't even get them. So they're definitely going to be rare and a keepsake. However, the shirts and the hoodies and all that stuff is not going to be worth much. But the shoes that might actually be be worth something because, especially if he turns out to be as good as I think we all think he can be then, yeah, the shoes may actually be worth keeping. But the actual gear itself, you can go ahead and donate that to whoever you, you donate it to. Okay, so Jameson, j- just so I get this straight, because I, I hopped on the Triple B website, and right now 
Um, you got, I think it's 40% off. There's a spring code for 40% off. You get you a pair of $500 Zoes at 40% off. And Jameson, you're saying, you know what? It might not be a bad investment for 10 years from nah, now. Nah, what you got to do go to Marshalls. Yeah, that price going to go lower and lower. But here's the thing. <laughs> with the shoes, if you don't already have them, you probably ain't getting them. Because they've already had issues in the past, and I don't think they've resolved that issue. I know, I know nothing about, I know nothing about that ex, uh, to that extent of the shoe game. Uh, that was the first thing though that popped into my mind when seeing all this and seeing, you know, the you know the big baller brand and everything kind of based around this. I remember the the topics and the you know what a hot commodity that topic was at that particular time, and to see where it is now, well, it's it's really interesting. Um, look, if you spent five hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, you probably shouldn't even wear them. Like, first off. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just being I'm just being honest. Like if you spent that much money on a pair of shoes, don't wear them. Keep them in the box because you don't buy I don't know, maybe I'm different here. I buy a pair of Kobe's. I have a hard time taking them out of the box to wear them. They're like 100 bucks, 120 bucks. You spend $500 on a pair of shoes, don't take them out of the box. Jordan, I'm going to be honest with you. This is where uh, sometimes there are some cultural differences. And I can tell you right now, if brothers are spending $500 on some shoes, you're going to see those shoes every day of the week. They go, you, I, I hear what you're saying. Believe me, um, you're probably right. You're like, if, if you're investing that much money in something, it's an actual investment. But uh, yeah, no, uh, which is, again, why I thought it was so funny that they had the audacity to even say, dump your merch. It's like, yo, dog, no, I already I, I gave you I gave you my tax check for it. I'm not about to throw it in the trash just because you guys can't figure this out. Anyhow, we'll move off. We'll move off of that, because another situation that, t- that came of, you know, to light was there were reports that were, you know, kind of trickling out that if uh, Luke Walton were to be fired moving forward, uh, that Jason Kidd would would not only be a candidate, but would be absolutely interested. So I'm going to split this up. Jameson, I'll come to you with this. One, I personally thought the report was nonsense to begin with, because quite frankly, if they wanted Jason Kidd, they could have had him right now. And and when it was very evident that they were going to get rid of Luke prior to the All-Star break, you know, chances are you could have gone ahead and made that move if that were the case. But what are your thoughts on him as an actual candidate? And what are your thoughts also on him kind of breaking the coaching code by speaking on a job that's currently occupied? And that's the problem with Jason Kidd. Uh, here's the issue. Jason Kidd has skipped the line so much. Uh, he went straight mm-hmm. from playing to coaching, which is always weird. Secondly, he gets his, he gets a second job. But he really didn't deserve it. And he got paid a lot mm-hmm. of money for it. Um, he's not, he never really paid his dues as, a lot of coaches say he never became an assistant, never worked in the front office, didn't scout. He went from straight from player to a coach, and he doesn't have – you can tell that's missing. Now, the one thing you can you got to give him credit for is he was the first person to put the ball in Giannis's hands and tell him to go to work, you're our point guard, do what you do. He did put the ball yeah. in his hands, and so you got to give him credit for that. However, a lot of other stuff has been very shaky. I look at what's going on there. I've been very disappointed with Jason Kidd as a coach. Because on the floor as a player, he was amazing. As a coach, he's been very underwhelming. And I personally think he needs to go back to college. I think he needs to go to be a college coach first. Uh, Cal? Yeah, Cal or wherever. And just coach there. Because honestly, the NBA, you don't want to go a third time. And and this situation needs a little bit different situation. I I like Jason Kidd as as a player, as an ex-player. But as a coach, he's not the right fit at all. And if he does get the job, I would say the over-under would be a, a year and a half, two years tops before he's gone. 
That's fair. And I actually agree with that. The one thing I will say, and it's not even playing devil's advocate. I'm just mentioning it because I've heard that, you know, like that, uh, him being credited for that, you know, last couple of days, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know how much credit I'm giving somebody for noticing, you know, for, you know, for realizing what is obvious. He was your best player. He was the only guy you know, with any real game at that point, put the ball in his hands and let him go to work. Especially since, you know, a lot of folks may not realize this prior to coming over here, he played the point guard position. He was a string bean. He was tall as, and, and, and scrawny and as all as can be, but that was his natural position. So I, you know, yes, it's good that he know that he noticed this, but I'll be honest with you. I expect, I expect somebody knowledgeable about the game as knowledgeable about the game as, as Jason Kidd is to notice that, Hey, look, this is our best option to win. So Jordan, I'll come to you when it comes to, you know, this coaching you know conversation, because I'll be honest with you again, I, I you know we're both in agreement that he's not really a consideration why, in your estimation, would they even consider a Jason Kidd, you know, as opposed to a Ty Lue, who has direct ties? And I don't care about the ties with the Lakers, but direct ties to LeBron has shown that he can be successful with him and has shown that he act, you know, he's he's not necessarily a guy that's just simply going to acquiesce to, you know, he, you know, to everything, you know, all of his wills. Where there's smoke, there's fire. So I do believe that Jason Kidd is a realistic candidate for this job. Why? I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know where this rumor came from, but it came out for a reason. And, you know, as, as Jameson has taught me over the last five, six, seven years, it's such an agent-driven league. Someone's leaking the information that Jason Kidd's the legitimate candidate for the Laker job. He is a legitimate candidate, and it needs to be taken seriously. Now, with that being said, I kind of have respect for any coach that gets fired up. Okay, and what I mean by that, if you continue to get fired and land a better gig, I have a lot of respect for you because you're doing something right. I don't know if you were just one smooth negotiator. One of the things about Mike D'Antoni, go back and you take a look at Mike D'Antoni's career. Every time this guy has been fired, he has gotten a better job. And that's mind-boggling to me. Gets fired in Denver, lands yeah. in Phoenix. Gets fired in Phoenix, lands in LA. Lakers are on their down, you know, on a downward spiral. He gets fired. He now goes to Houston. Jason Kidd starts no, in Brooklyn. The or the Knicks, excuse me, the Knicks. Uh, so, again, Phoenix. Leaves Phoenix, goes to the Knicks. He got a better job. He got a larger market gig there. So, yep. you know, I have respect for a coach who gets fired up. Jason Kidd has been fired up. Starts in Brooklyn, gets canned, goes to Milwaukee. If he lands his Laker job, I, I would like to know why. I'd like to know what goes into it. Uh, but listen, LeBron James is making the next hire as head coach of the Lakers. We can say, I mean, we can try to downplay that however we want. LeBron James makes the next high, is is the next guy to land the Laker head coach. It goes through him. There's no question. Look, I'm I'm, I'm going to put something out there that I actually think is a case. I think it's once again a situation where an agent is is utilizing the Lakers name and you know j- just all of the disharmony right now to their benefit. I, I you know I actually think it's more of what Jameson said. I think he's eyeing a college return. I don't think he's I I do not believe that he is a viable candidate for this job. And if I'm wrong, Jordan, you know I'll tell you down the road. I'm a hunt. I was I was wrong on that one. I think he's trying to put his name you know you know you know put his name out there on the on the on the big stage in front of everybody in order to you know land another gig but i could be wrong i absolutely could be wrong and i guess time's you know time's going to tell all right guys you know what time that is let me get a final shot from everybody a uh, final shot is this um we need to go to one through 16 uh it's time it, it is time because the eastern conference the celtics are the fifth 
best team. And if they were in the West, they wouldn't make the playoffs. Like, it's time. Mm-hmm. I understand a lot of people are traditionalists. I get it. I understand it. I like the Western mm-hmm. Conference, Eastern Conference, the divisions. I get all that. I understand you have to realign everything. But it's time. It's 2019, going on 2020. Uh, private jets, nutrition, health, all that good stuff. Days uh, between playoff games. It's time. It's time. One through 16, create new rivalries, create new schedules, create new everything. Um, you know, and have a you know throw a wrench in the system. It's time. We don't need to start some of the teams in the East. We don't need to see those under 500 teams in the East. We we really don't. Uh, you, you don't need to see like a scrappy Orlando team. Uh, no. you know, finding, a way, finding a way to leapfrog the Heat and the uh, yeah. Like I love D Wade. I understand it's this swan song, but. He got four games tops and the play five games tops and yeah. playoffs. That's it. Just like last year. Fair enough. Jordan, what about yours? I'm going to scrap my final shot and I'm going to, I'm going to tell Jameson he is completely wrong. Completely wrong. We, we cannot go one through 16. We cannot. That is a terrible idea. And I know it's something that's been talked about an awful lot. It's a terrible idea. It, it to me, it falls right in line with the All-Star Game, I detest the NBA All-Star Game now. I hate it. I didn't watch it this year. I don't want to watch it. I don't care who LeBron James wants on his side. I don't care who Giannis wants on his side. I want to see East versus West. I want to see East versus West in the NBA All-Star Game. I want to see East versus West in the NBA Finals. There's a, I mean, it's, it's too much. At some point, I get that you have to continue to evolve, but at what point in time do you just kiss tradition goodbye, right? Part of the problem with interleague play in Major League Baseball is that it takes a little bit away from the World Series. There's intrigue here in seeing the best from the East and the best from the West, and we get the best from the East and the best from the West. We get that. When haven't we got that? There's not a problem. Nobody, look, I don't care who number 16 is. I really do not care. I do not care that instead of seeing the Miami Heat getting swept by the Milwaukee Bucks, I get to see the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Sacramento Kings swept by the Golden State Warriors or the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't care about that. East versus West, it's part of what makes the NBA game great. We've said goodbye to one tradition, and for me personally, it has ruined the NBA All-Star game. I would rather watch the Pro Bowl now than watch the NBA All-Star game. I have no care to watch it. I have no care to watch it. I have no care. None at all. At some point in time, growing up, I used to love sitting down and watching Magic and Bird. We only get that matchup twice. We get it in the NBA All-Star game, right? We get uh, you in the NBA. You only play West only plays East twice. Okay. So the only time that we could get LeBron and KD up until this season was twice in the regular season. If they both played or in the NBA All-Star game. And regardless as to what you think of the game and the lack of defense being played, there was something special about seeing Kobe and LeBron play in the, in the, uh, in the All-Star game. You wouldn't get that today. I mean, think about that. We wouldn't have Magic versus Bird. We would not have had Shaq versus Robinson. We would not have had all these matchups in the NBA All-Star game if it was in today's world. Don't get rid of East versus West. Keep some sort of tradition. That's my take well, on that. Here's the thing with East and West. The thing is, um, well, sorry, one through sixteen, you create different rivalries, and if the two, yep. if the top two teams are that good, they eventually end up playing. You create different rivalries, but how long does it take to create those rivalries? Another thing that you have to remember in today's game 
It takes time to create rivalries, and player movement is at an all-time high due to free agency. Player movement has a lot to do with that. Oh, well, here, here's the thing. If you have two young teams that have uh, has their core locked up, and they match up in the second round or third round, and you have one team from the West, one team in the East, and they just so happen to match up in the playoffs three straight years, that's a rivalry. Hell, the Clippers and Warriors have matched up in the playoffs once. And that is a decent rivalry, and they only matched up in the playoffs once. So here's what here's what we'll do. This is a this is actually a phenomenal conversation. I didn't think I didn't think this was going to turn into this. Why don't we circle back to this conversation once the postseason, uh, you know, once we're through the first couple rounds and see had it, you know, like, you know, had they done the one through sixteen rather than the actual seeding, if the if the matchups would have been better. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Great stuff again this week. Always great to talk to you guys. I want to remind the listeners, you know, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are available on iTunes. Thanks to uh, super producer as well as co-host uh, Jordan Buscarini. Uh, so make, be sure to comment, rate, subscribe, all of that good stuff in all the appropriate places. Um, make sure that you follow each of us on Twitter and, and uh, continue to provide all of that excellent feedback. Uh, Jameson is at the Jameson. Jordan is at Jordan underscore DTS. That's DTS for Drive Time Sports, which is his week or excuse me, daily show. Uh, so make sure you look, you know, check for the links for that. And I am at Jabari Davis NBA. For each of these fine gentlemen, this has been another episode of your Triple J podcast. <laughs>